You know, I came up here without the bulletin. Is this one right here? Thank you. Let's me know what I need to do when I finish preaching. If you open uh, the scriptures to to Psalm 23, hear God's word. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have not remained silent, but that you have made yourself known. Lord, we, we see your handiwork in creation, and we hear your voice in your word. And we thank you, Lord, for this day that we can gather in your name. We thank you for this psalm that you have given to us that tells us so much about who you are, and how you deal with us. And so I pray this day as we look to your word that you would uh, speak through your word, preach that you would accomplish your purposes, Lord, that we would know more of who you are and know more of how we can live to bring honor to your great name. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's so good to be with you. Uh, This is a bigger crowd than last time I was here. I've noticed this when I came in. That's very, that's very encouraging. Uh, I am, uh, uh, I've been in this same presbytery for some 30 years, I think. And so I've known all of your pastors over the years. And I am quite close to, uh, to Kevin, who's a, who's a dear friend. So I, I looked forward to coming here. I was also really close to, to Neil who uh, right now is in a better place. You know, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And I'm also uh, close to his children, particularly uh, his eldest son, who was involved with us until he graduated with REFI at Auburn. I work now with REFI, which which is a campus ministry to international students who are studying in the States. And so uh, I've always had a love for missions, and I've been on more missionary trip, more missions trips than I can count. Uh, Russia a couple times, Thailand a couple times, Brazil maybe six times, uh, just to name a few. And a few years ago, the Lord uh, gave us an opportunity uh, to move to Auburn to really take uh, take the gospel to the nations who were studying in Auburn. So at Auburn, we have like maybe a hundred different countries represented. It's quite amazing. One-tenth of the student population 
uh, is uh, our foreign students. And so we have relationships with students, many of which are just Ph.D. students. So they're here for like four or five years. It would it would be so difficult to have those same relationships in their country Uh, from Iran, for for example. Yesterday afternoon, I was sitting on my front porch uh, with an Iranian student who is a dear friend. Now, he is a deist. He is not a theist. I find most Iranians to believe in a superior being. Uh, they've rejected, uh, the educated have rejected Islam because of their country. Uh, but they very much believe in, in God. Uh, but they are not so sure that Jesus is, is God. Uh, but we, uh, every, uh, in, the, in, the, in the fall and in the spring, we have dinners on campus called Dinner and Discussion, where they come. And these are students that we've made friends through pickleball and soccer and chess and trips and things. We, we, do, the, we do a lot of things to, to, to try to minister to them and, and provide like a home away from home while they're here. Because so, I'm, I'm as old as their parents, or maybe even older for many of them. But we have them in our home uh, a lot. Last week we had maybe 30, and the week before we had a few more than that. Uh, over for for dinner, so it's it's a great uh, privilege to be able to uh, to be a missionary in the states is really what we are, uh, and we seek to to engage with them, uh, demonstrate the love of Christ, and uh, proclaim the love of Christ, which we do on Thursday nights when we have our dinner and discussion. They come together on campus with us. Uh, we provide the food which is made by a university uh, cafeteria. And then we sit and we have Christians at all the tables. And so we'll spend maybe 30 minutes just visiting and talking. And then I will give a short talk from the Bible. And then we'll have questions. And we will, for the next uh, probably 20 minutes, sometimes it goes longer, we will discuss these questions. And so we have Buddhist and Muslims and Hindu and agnostic and and atheist. And and, and the rules are that, that... Everyone is free to share their views. We have Christians at every table who will give the Christian perspective. And we just interact with them like this. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And I so appreciate uh, your support. This church supports this ministry, and, and we are very uh, thankful to that. Now, Psalm 23. This, you know, is, is such a familiar psalm. In fact, it's probably the second most familiar familiar scripture in the Bible. Do, do, do you agree? What would be the most familiar scripture in, in the Bible? John 3.16. Yeah, you, at the baseball games, you see somebody holding it up behind the, the, the plate. And yeah, I, I think that's probably the most familiar. But Psalm 23, I think, uh, is really close. In fact, you see Psalm... Uh, 23, if you've ever been to a funeral, you've heard it. It's almost always used at funerals, is it not? It's rare for you to go to a funeral and and this psalm not be read. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That just speaks of, of the death and dying. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So, it's, it's so familiar, uh, and, and you often will see it crocheted. How many have a crochet of Psalm 23? Anybody in this room? 
Oh, I'm so disappointed. Come on, nobody has a crochet of Psalm 23 on their wall. We were just talking about it. We have one, and we were like, we need to find it. It's, when we moved it, it ended up in a box, we think, that has not been unpacked. Um, but many of David's psalms, you know, David wrote many of the psalms. Many of his psalms are full of complaints and crying out to God and, and asking God for help. And, you know, why have you forsaken me? They're, they're very real, and, they're, and they really portray all the emotions that we as Christians go through. But this psalm is unique. Uh, it's not full of complaints. It is full of comforts and expressions of God's delight in great goodness and dependence upon him. Uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Kevin DeYoung points out the striking juxtapositions found in this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, uh, shepherds were not considered to be of high class uh, during that time. And yet the Lord associates himself uh, with the shepherd. Or in verse 4, your rod and your staff, which are means for discipline, are they not? It says they comfort me. Or... Uh, the Lord disciplines those he loves. Uh, one pastor said the psalm falls into two halves, in both of which the same general thought of God's guardian care is presented, though under different illustrations and with some variety of detail. The first half sets forth him as a shepherd and us as the sheep of his pasture. The second gives him as the host and us as a guest at his table and the dwellers in his house. So the psalmist begins with the, with the statement, the Lord is my shepherd. Notice it doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd or the Lord is your shepherd, but the Lord is, is my shepherd. You know, and if you, if you know the Lord Jesus, then... He is your shepherd. Jehovah is often spoken of as the shepherd of Israel and Israel as his flock, especially in the Psalm, Psalm 74, 1. Oh, God, why do you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Have you ever felt like God was not present? Have you ever felt like God has cast you off? Sometimes we feel this way because of the circumstances, perhaps, that we're facing in our life. Psalm 80. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. And Jesus says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And later in that chapter, he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand, which is so comforting to me that that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So here's a question. Is Jesus your shepherd? Is Jesus your shepherd? And. I think all of us would say, 
that we, we want him to be our shepherd if we're a Christian, but, but often we're not following him. You know, we can follow our own devices, our own passions, our own interests. Do you seek to follow him? Does his word resonate in your life? Because the Lord is your shepherd, he says, you shall not want. He knows you and he gives you what you need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or I shall not lack. Matthew Henry says, more is implied than is expressed. I'm indebted to several people uh, today, which I'll mention. John Calvin, uh, Spurgeon, Matthew Henry. So if I say something like one pastor said, it's probably one of those three. Uh, uh, And and those are are well known, I, I suspect, by by many of you. More is implied than is expressed. Not only I shall not want, but I shall, be su- I shall be supplied with whatever I need. And if I have not everything I desire, I may conclude it is either not fit for me or not good for me, or I shall have it in due time. Uh, and in Matthew 6, the scriptures uh, point us to to God's provision. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord gives rest to his sheep. Look at verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, often when you hear people uh, preach on this, uh, this text, they'll, they'll talk a lot about sheep and how sheep are kind of clumsy. They're not super intelligent. They, uh, they can kind of wander off. They need to be protected and cared for and all sorts of things. Uh, one thing is that sheep won't rest when they are fearful. Sheep will not rest when they are fearful. And yet he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord gives us rest. Matthew 11. Come to me all who labor and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. You know the, uh, uh, the Lord's day is a day which is a, is a gift given to us. And is, is a day that I believe is uh, set apart from other days where we can, we can rest. Uh, we enjoy taking a nap on Sunday afternoon, which is not something we often do. You know, we go to church, we worship, we have lunch, and, and then uh, we might spend that afternoon uh, resting or fellowshipping with, with other Christians. But we, you know, we live in a time where uh, we are just so busy all the time, and, and we just run from thing to thing. And we just can be overcome just with the busyness of life. If you're a mom and you have... 
young children, then it's never ending. You know, or, or the work, uh, and then coming home and still having to, to tend to things at the house, uh, we are in need of rest. The Lord created in six days and on the seventh day he rested. And so uh, it is important that we rest. He says he makes us lie down in green pastures. You know, if, if you don't rest and you go too hard, too long, you will, you will rest because you will crash. You will. We desperately need to be mindful of, of how the Lord made us. And, and he intended us to rest. And so I would encourage you, you know, to, to make the Lord's Day uh, a day of rest. It means that you'll spend time on that day doing things that you probably wouldn't do on other days. To, to rest. St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Uh, the beautiful thing about the gospel is it's, it's, it's not something that we do. It's something that we believe. You know, if we're trying to please God through our own efforts, which I, I, I don't recommend because you can't do it, but you're always trying to do something to please him. Well, we please him by believing in his son. It's not something that we do. It's something that we believe and trust. He leads me beside still waters. Sheep are afraid of moving water uh, because they can't swim. He is telling us that our shepherd is conscious of our fears. Now, I know in this group, because you're all Christians or Maybe most of you are. Uh, you have no fears, right? Life is life is. Yeah, you trust in the Lord, and you and you believe that that God is is sovereign over all things, and that He is at work in all things for your good. And so you really have no fear. Anybody fall into that category? Anyone want to raise their hand and show everyone that you're not telling the truth? <laughs> you know, we all we all have fears, do we not? We do. But the Lord leads us into still waters. And sometimes, you know, when everything just seems so out of control around us, we can look to the Lord. Sometimes our circumstances are beyond our ability to really impact or change. And we can be overwhelmed by them. But for me... Uh, to know that God is at work uh, gives me peace. Now, some of y'all have heard I've had a few health issues over the last couple of years. Uh, two years ago, I had, uh, I had heart surgery. Uh, I went in and saw my doctor and said, I think I have a, a blockage in, in my chest. You know, doctor, uh, pastors, we're around hospitals a lot because... Because y'all go to the hospital and then we go see you and we hear all these things, right? So I jokingly say that I have an MDiv in medicine because I've been to so many hospitals over the years. And so I've picked up on a few things. So I, I, 
I realized I probably have blockage. I got to see my doctor. He sends me immediately to a cardiologist. They put me in an ambulance, send me to the hospital. This all happened in the same day. Send me to the hospital, and they're going to do a heart cath. I'm fine with heart caths. You're in and out. It's an out. You know, you go in, and they put a little tube, something in your arteries, and open it up, and then you go home. So I call my wife, and I said, hey, uh, I'm going to the hospital for a procedure. You're going to need to pick me up. <laughs> And they, they, so they start doing the hard cath, and they realize that I have 99% blockage in the Widowmaker artery, right? So what, what, do, you, what do you think happens next? They rush me into uh, emergency surgery. I wake up the next day having had open heart surgery and three bypasses, you know. But I remember, you know, this was not what I expected or planned, uh, but I had a sense of peace, I did. I was like, wow, you know, the Lord can take me any way that he wants. He seems to have just spared me. The, the nurse told me that I would not have survived the weekend had I not had that surgery, which was really quite amazing. Uh, and so the little nurse that worked with the cardiologist saved my life. And uh, I believe she was a believer, was she not, sweetie? Because we went and visited her. And then uh, any of you over the age of 50... Anybody here over the age of 50? Have a regular colonoscopy. I, I, I highly recommend it. So I go in for a colonoscopy. <laughs> I hope you aren't taking this sermon. So I go in for a colonoscopy, and, and I find, uh, and then the doctor comes out, and he tells me that I have cancer. And this was about 10 weeks ago. And, um, and so I got to have surgery, and now I, I am enjoying chemotherapy which is uh, not my friend, which is why I asked them to put a chair up here because uh, I, my energy level is, is quite low. You know, but, you know, you look at these things and it's like, it, uh, you know, when he told me I had cancer, I, I'm, I must admit that that was a little bit disconcerting. You know, it was. It was all sorts of things kind of went through my mind because I've, I've seen people, you know, with different kinds of cancer and my mother died of cancer and, and I was like, oh, my goodness, uh, what if this is going to take my life? I need to arrange everything for, for my wife, you know. And so I have to change all kinds of things that I've been doing, uh, you know, to set her up. Like we're not we have a house with a swimming pool for college students. She doesn't need a swimming pool. I'm like, oh, we need a new house. And, you know, my mind's just running wild. Uh, but uh, the Lord can give us peace even in the midst of uncertainty. You know, do we really believe that, you know, he he does work all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose. He he leads me beside still waters. And life can be hard at times and our hearts can seem hardened, yet the psalmist says he restores my soul. He restores my soul. And, I, you know, I kind of wish our sanctification was kind of more like a straight upward line. And, you know, it's just over time we're just becoming more like Jesus and, and less like our flesh, you know. Uh, but, it's, but it's not. It's not. Uh, you know, we can go through, through seasons where, where God seems very absent, or we can go through seasons where our heart is just hardened to the things of the Lord, that, 
that you know we are we are focused on on things that we ought not be and yet the lord uh, keeps those who are his i'm so grateful that uh that my eternal security is not based on what i do but it is based on what jesus has done because if it were based on what we do we would all be in trouble we 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 really were in my flesh dwells no good thing you know uh the things I wish I would, those I don't. The things I wish I wouldn't, those I do. Paul says this, and I hear Christians debating over, well, was this before he was a Christian or not a Christian? And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This is all of our experience. You know, why, why would we debate this? And so our hearts can be sometimes, you know, led astray, uh, and we're, we can be vulnerable to all kinds of temptations. And then we fall into a temptation and, and we and, and and we confess and repent and then we fall into it again maybe and we confess and repent and we and we feel like oh I'm I'm just I'm kind of stuck and he says no the Lord can restore our soul he restores our soul we can feel betrayed by other Christians we can feel like giving up and yet he will restore our soul if you are numbered among his flock. And notice this is his work. It doesn't say you restore your soul. It says he will restore your soul. So for me, one sign of a believer is they have a profession of faith and they walk with the Lord. Those two things. They have a profession of faith. They believe in the Lord Jesus as the Son of God and Savior of sinners. They rest upon him alone for their salvation as he is offered in the gospel. That's right out of the book of church order. (laughs) It's what we ask you when you join the church. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon him alone as he is offered in the gospel? Do you? We have a profession of faith. Uh, and that profession is characterized by, by a changed life. And both of those need to be uh, present in our lives. It says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. In other words, you know, our life mirrors his life. Jesus is righteous. And he... And he is making us more and more like him. And notice, it's not for our good, but it's for his glory. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Which is, you know, if you think about that, it's, it's amazing that we get the opportunity to bring glory to God by how we live. I can't think of a of a greater thing than we can do than to seek to bring glory to the one who made all things. You know, it can seem daunting at times, but it's it's such a privilege. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God's will is always characterized by righteousness. The moral law of God. You know, I'm disturbed when I hear 
people sometimes say that they prayed about a certain situation and then the course that they took is clearly contrary to God's written word. Or they'll say, I have a peace about it. And I'm like, well, I can have a peace about all sorts of things, but that doesn't make it right. If we want to know what is right or wrong, then read his word. God doesn't give us a piece about something which is contrary to his word. He is not schizophrenic. He doesn't say one thing here and then, and then turn his eye to another. So we, we need to be uh, people of his word. Our shepherd knows the right path. It may not be the easiest path. It may not be the most lucrative path or even the most enjoyable path. But it is the right path that glorifies him for his name's sake. And notice here, righteousness follows restoration in this psalm. Righteousness follows restoration. Righteousness is not the reason for restoration. It's the consequence. Uh, One pastor, one well, Matthew Henry said works of righteousness must follow, not precede the restoration of the soul. We are justified not by works, but for works. Or as the apostle puts it in a passage which sounds like an echo of the psalm, and he's really he's quoting Ephesians. We are created in Christ unto good works, which God has beforehand ordained that we should walk in them. Therefore, by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. For we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance that we should walk in them. He saves us for good work. We are created to, to live good lives because it brings glory to his name. But the good life is not what saves us. Be thankful for that. It is Jesus who saves us. And because we follow Jesus, because we are his sheep, our lives will be evidenced by good works that he prepared. And God's path involves hardship. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. You know, that's comforting that the Lord is, no matter where we are, if we are his child, he is with us. He is present. You know, we've been given a deposit guarantee in our inheritance, the Holy Spirit which resides in us. Uh, It is important to note that the valley of the shadow of death is as much the right path as the green pastures and the still waters. You know, sometimes, you know, we are living in obedience to the Lord and and as a result, it, it brings on great hardship. That doesn't mean that it's the wrong path. We kind of think that if it's enjoyable and fun, it must be the will of God. But it's not. In fact, sometimes the will of God uh, involves being persecuted. They persecuted the Lord. Why should you expect to receive anything different? It has been granted to you not only to believe in the Lord Jesus, but to suffer for his name's sake. Now, that is not popular, but it's in his word. You know, are we willing, are we willing to, to, to suffer if it is for the glory of God? 
Sometimes my good shepherd leads me through difficult places. Life is not always a bed of roses. Sometimes it is hard. Sometimes there are trials and difficulties and dangers. But there is great comfort in knowing that the Lord reigns, which gives us confidence in the face of adversity. I will fear no evil for you are with me. You know, when you're a child and your parents are there, you feel safe. You feel safe. Well, we are like children. And when our Heavenly Father is with us, we should feel safe. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13. And then he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God disciplines his children. The rod and the staff were used by the shepherd. And, and sometimes he would, he would use them to, to discipline the sheep or to ward off uh, wolves. He doesn't turn a blind eye to our lives after we are saved. He truly works all things for good, including our rebellion. Now, that's, that's really hard for us to get our minds around, uh, that, that, that nothing that we do takes the Lord by surprise. Uh, they take us by surprise sometimes, don't they? I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I didn't do that, you know. But the Lord who sees tomorrow as clearly as he sees today, nothing, nothing surprised him by what, by what we do. You know, sometimes I have to tell people this. Sometimes I have to tell it to myself. You know, what you did, though it, though it was wrong, did not surprise the Lord. Repent and believe. Turn from your sin and turn to the Lord and walk after him. In uh, Matthew, in Hebrews 13, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. The Lord disciplines those he loves. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, this seems so odd. Can you imagine having a feast? In the presence of all these people that are against you. That is not the sort of feast that, that we imagine. And yet, you know, in this life that we live, uh, we ought not be surprised. We don't have to wait for heaven to, to feast with the Lord. The Lord prepares a table before me. Even though I, I'm, I may be surrounded by enemies. But you know, if, if our focus is on the Lord, then our enemies don't seem so powerful. We live in a fallen world and we should expect opposition even when we are seeking to do right. And this is interesting. Jesus is not only the host of this meal, but he is the meal. Jesus says in John 6, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So Jesus not only provides the meal, but he is the meal, which 
which we partake in the Lord's Supper, when we feast on the benefits of his life and his death, his crucifixion and his resurrection. Because he lived the life that we should live and he died the death that we deserve. He says, you anoint my head with oil. In the scriptures, Jesus encourages his followers to anoint themselves with oil whenever they take up the practice of fasting. Read Matthew 6. And to pour oil on the sick as a part of the healing process in Mark 6. You know, that the Lord brings healing. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You know, you've heard the pessimists, they always see the cup as half full. The optimist sees the cup, I mean, the pessimist sees the cup as half empty. The optimist sees the cup as half full. But the Christian should see the cup as overflowing. My cup overflows. This speaks of abundance. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy in John 10. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, when Americans hear this word, have life abundantly, what comes to mind? Materialism. We, we live in such a materialistic society. And so we think of the abundant life as, you know, fancy cars and lots of material things. And I'm not going to say that that... That is, isn't perhaps part, but I don't think it's the most important. An abundant life is a life well lived. A life that looks to Christ, seeks to follow after him. A life that seeks to work. You know, six days shall you labor. We honor the Lord in our vocation. Uh, we're, uh, we're not Gnostics. Uh, God created us uh, to work. Adam and Eve were working in the garden even before they sinned. Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. Our problem often is we don't really understand what abundance is. We compare our situation to others. We uh, we break the Tenth Commandment. We, we're envious of what someone else has rather than grateful for what the Lord has given us. And then he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Look at the confidence that he has in the future. David believes that because he is a, a sheep of, of the Lord's, his future will be good. And if you look at David's life, David was very much like we are. He struggled with sin. He did things, you know, he, he, he committed murder and adultery. And yet he was a man after God's own heart. It's hard sometimes for us to wrap our minds around that. But David, David didn't look to his his own works, but he, he looked to the Lord. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and 
I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John 14. And we'll close with this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where we are going. And Thomas, doubting Thomas, said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, and Jesus says to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray together. Father God, we, we uh, just thank you for this time that you've given us together, Lord, to look at your word. We thank you that your word is true. Lord, I pray that, that we would all look to you as our shepherd, that we would, that we would trust in the Lord that we would turn from our sins and turn to Christ. That we would confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that you raised him from the dead. That he overcame our sin. He paid the penalty. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we rejoice in that?